0: Hello and welcome to Diabetically Speaking, the podcast where we talk health, fitness and nutrition to help you build your healthiest life. I'm your host Michael and today I want to discuss some important details about losing fat as a diabetic and how when done incorrectly can actually be dangerous and have negative health effects. Whether you have diabetes and are unknowingly doing these things, or know a diabetic that is, we're going to look at warning signs and symptoms to watch out for to prevent unhealthy weight loss that could have crippling consequences. Having a leaner and well-defined physique isn't just visually appealing. With lower levels of body fat, our bodies are better able to absorb and partition nutrients, build muscle, sleep, Maintain insulin sensitivity, blood sugar control, hormone balance, energy levels, emotional stability, and mental health. This isn't just because physically your body can do so many things better, but because we're more confident and feel stronger too. Regardless of what diet gurus, magazines, social media influencers, or the guy at your local supplement store spew, the laws of energy balance apply no matter what dietary or exercise protocol you follow, meaning the only way to lose weight, and fat in particular, is through a calorie deficit, that is, burning more calories than you take in each day. I won't go into details here, but the short and sweet of it is you eat around 30% less than your maintenance calories with a proper balance of macronutrients, engage in heavy resistance training or exercise 3-5 to times a week, and over time you lose weight. If you're unfamiliar with how to do these things, listen to episode 4 on the importance of macronutrients and episode 5 on finding your maintenance calories. Though anyone can get the body they want with proper nutrition and training, because fat loss isn't a dangerous process in general, after a long period of time it can take a toll on you. In a cutting phase, when you get extremely lean, your calories are very low, activity is very high, and it's a big stress on your body. This is because it interprets the calories you're feeding it, or lack thereof, as a scarce resource. Because you're not giving it enough energy for a normal point of homeostasis, energy levels, hormone balance, recovery, sleep, and the ability to build muscle is impaired. However, when done intelligently and correctly, it's possible to avoid the worst of these symptoms and make fat loss seem almost effortless. Unfortunately, body image issues are a common thing, especially when fitness accounts on social media post photos of themselves shredded year around. Here's the thing. While it is entirely possible to maintain quite a lean physique most of the time, those that look like they're ready to step on stage 365 days a year either pull from a backlog of their photos, are on drugs, or are extremely good at hiding how bad they feel. There's something I've unknowingly done in high school before health and fitness was my life, as well as in past cutting phases. Truth be told, I didn't know this had a specific term until fairly recently and realized diabetics need to know how to avoid this to make sure they stay healthy and keep tight blood sugar control. I'm talking about something known as diabulimia. By name, it's more of a media coin term, but refers to an eating disorder for type 1 diabetics in which they purposely restrict insulin dosing to lose weight. As you know, one of the side effects of high blood sugar is lack of appetite. Depending on how high your blood sugars are and for how long, you can feel dehydrated, lethargic, nauseous, unable to focus, and likely don't want to even think about food. For the most part, when we aren't hungry, we don't eat, so we aren't consuming calories. This is dangerous in itself because if you're not paying attention to how little calories you're eating, and are eating far less than what would be ideally safe to lose weight and stay healthy, you're compromising just about every aspect of your health. In addition to this, diabetics tend to be more catabolic than others, meaning we have a harder time building and maintaining muscle, especially when our blood sugars are high. And what makes this even more dangerous is that when your blood sugars average at too high a level for too long, your body can enter a state of ketoacidosis. This is when your body doesn't have enough insulin to shuttle the sugar in your blood for energy and uses fat instead. While this sounds good for achieving fat loss, the issue is that burning fat this rapidly creates acids called ketones that build up in your blood. And those can come with even worse side effects than short-term highs like confusion and dizziness, infections, muscle aches, organ inflammation, shortness of breath, vomiting, and eventually death. So you have a body that's already at a slight disadvantage for muscle growth, run your blood sugars high by not taking insulin that would normally shuttle nutrients around to build that muscle, aren't eating because you aren't hungry and or because not eating means weight loss, and your body is burning fat too quickly and eventually muscle. Meaning you're getting hit with a quadruple whammy, and this isn't including the side effects of highs that make you feel absolutely terrible and sap every ounce of energy you have. There are a lot of different symptoms that could point to diabulimia, be it behavioral, emotional, or physical. Some diabetics may neglect controlling their blood sugar and, like me in the past, don't know the extent of the damage they're causing. Alternatively, they may just have difficulty with control overall, despite their best efforts, and family members or friends may notice them going through odd changes without knowing what's really going on. But regardless, whether you're a diabetic going through this or a concerned family member or friend looking for a way to help, let's talk about what some things that may be occurring are so you can make the adjustments to lose fat safer and more effectively. A fear in society, and one I used to have when I was younger, is that insulin causes fat gain, which is a myth. You see, insulin inhibits the breakdown of fat cells and stimulates the creation of body fat. And I know, this sounds contradictory. But while it does trigger fat storage, it alone doesn't make you fat. Even if you were to eat a massive amount of carbs every day and in turn keep your insulin very high to counteract it, if you're eating within your maintenance calories, you're not going to gain fat because you can't change the laws of energy balance. Will the scale increase? For a time, it could, but remember, not only does scale weight not dictate body fat percent, but an increase in carbs, and likely sodium with it, causes water retention. So remove this fear from your mind. Insulin doesn't cause fat gain, overeating does. Now, because you might be afraid of taking insulin for this reason, you're also likely afraid of your blood sugar going low. And I don't blame you. The side effects from lows are just as bad as the ones from highs, just in an alternate way. However, avoiding the possibility of low blood sugar because you don't want to eat to lose weight is a very bad idea. As I stated, losing weight by dropping calories too far too fast not only causes negative side effects similar to those of highs and lows, which would make them feel more intense, but you risk losing muscle as well. So remember that even if you're eating minimally by finding ways to ignore food, like staying out of the kitchen, drinking carbonated beverage to stave off hunger, and avoiding social situations where food is often present, your body needs nutrients and it's imperative to make sure you're eating well to give the body what it needs to function as best it can, especially when trying to lose weight. On the other side of the coin, there's exercise. By way of habit and routine, these things are not just beneficial for your health, but for weight loss too, Is there another piece of the calorie deficit puzzle. Cardio is great for improving blood circulation, cardiac health, and lung capacity. Resistance training is great for building muscle and strength, and they both share some similarities and have some carryover between them. While cardio will burn more calories than weightlifting if you compare the same amount of time in a single session with similar intensities, always prioritizing resistance training is the better way to go. In fact, burning fat and staying leaner is easier when you have more muscle because your metabolic rate is higher. That said, the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn at rest. People often want to lose weight and do so with hours of boring, grueling cardio on a machine or by trying to keep a ridiculous high step count on their fitness trackers. Again, while cardio is going to burn more calories than strength training, too much exercise of any kind can be crippling. When I first got a Fitbit, I noticed that extra movement in my workouts burned more calories. Thus, I was always pushing to reach a certain amount of calorie burn in my workouts. Here is a typical early morning workout session for me. I had a well-programmed routine for lifting 6 days a week, but did really stupid things like walking laps during my rest periods. If you do the math, at 7-10 to 10 exercises per workout, with 3 rest periods at 2-3 to three minutes per rest period, you're looking at 60-90 to 90 minutes of walking while weightlifting. And then, after weightlifting, I would do another hour of walking. So by the end of my workout, I would burn well over 1,000 calories and have at least 15,000 steps, and sometimes closer to 20,000. That said, with everything I was doing, both in my nutrition, exercise, and the fact I had to keep blood sugars high to avoid going low during my workouts, I was absolutely losing weight, both fat and muscle, in the worst way. But outside of those things, I was a mess, both physically and mentally. My body was sore and drained in ways that I really can't describe. It was an effort to get up out of a chair or off the couch to go do anything. It wasn't that I was physically in pain, it was that I didn't have the energy to do so. But because I was so mentally fixated on the calories I thought I needed to burn, the anxiety I had forced me to get up and go for walks against my better judgment. As a matter of fact, I was so obsessed with keeping a high activity level and aiming for a certain calorie burn or step count that for a while I was weight training 7 days per week. I was in a very dark place and honestly wouldn't wish that sort of mental and physical strain on anyone. Not only were my A1C levels all over the place, but my hormones suffered tremendously. On top of that, I was only sleeping 4-5 to five hours per night and followed a diet where I ate one meal a day in the evening just to hoard calories to post some crazy looking meal on social media. Think for a moment about this weight you're trying to lose and how bad you feel the way you're doing it. Though you're tired and have poor sleep and digestion, you still enjoy exercising and working out. Now, think about 5 years down the road suffering a physical injury like a muscle tear, which I've had in both rotator cuffs and labrums at the same time, or something like pancreatitis where your pancreas is inflamed, which I have. While I'm fortunate enough to have healed injuries and caught any conditions that could have been much more serious early enough, they could have easily led to a situation where I wouldn't be able to work out anymore or do any physical activities I enjoy. And they can happen to you too. You see, physical or internal ailments don't always just hit instantly when you do something wrong. Sometimes they build up over time and you don't realize what they are until your body screams that it's had enough and it starts breaking down. And it's worth mentioning some consequences of diabulimia. Short term, you can suffer slower wound healing due to high blood sugar, causing poor circulation as your blood is much thicker from higher concentrations of glucose. There's bacterial infections, as high blood sugar causes the body to produce certain kinds of enzymes and hormones negatively affecting the immune system. And then there's ketoacidosis, as I mentioned earlier, that can also lead to severe dehydration and electrolyte balance. But that's not all you have to consider. You have long-term side effects as well. Things like retinopathy, where small black spots or floaters, as they're sometimes called, disrupt your vision and can lead to blindness. There's macular edema, which is eyeball swelling from excess fluid that can permanently damage the eye. And because nerve fibers are particularly vulnerable to prolonged high blood sugar, you can suffer peripheral neuropathy with symptoms like pain, weakness, or numbness in your arms, feet, hands, or legs. There's gastroparesis, which is when the nerves in your stomach are damaged, causing slowed stomach emptying and impaired digestion that could come with stomach pain and severe nausea. And finally, if that wasn't enough, because your nerves suffer damage over time, you can have kidney, liver, and heart disease as well. Now, my example is, hopefully, an extreme that very few others have taken to that extent. But unfortunately, I've known people that used to do things like this as well. And certain people you find on social media even applaud or brag about doing things like this. Clearly, it's not healthy for any normal person to have this sort of relationship with food and activity. But diabetically speaking, you can see just how detrimental it can be for maintaining blood sugar levels, having stable hormones, and being able to have a fit body. Fat loss, or weight loss, isn't just about being as lean or skinny as possible. There's so many other aspects to consider. When you go through the process intelligently and in an optimal way, a lot of these things take care of themselves and aren't ones you need to be worried about, but simply mindful of. The last thing we're going to talk about is how you handle more specific diabetes-related aspects, such as making sure you regularly meet with your endocrinologist and keep your prescriptions refilled no one likes realizing they haven't been keeping their blood sugars stable and might be scolded for it from their doctor. You feel a sense of guilt knowing you're doing something to your health you shouldn't, yet you have this underlying drive to keep doing what you're doing to try and lose weight. You need to see the scale drop or need to feel your clothes fitting loosely, but this point I keep trying to hammer down is that fat loss is a lot simpler than it seems. You don't need to take these extreme measures and neglect your health at the same time. This makes your current situation miserable and only leads to problems down the road, not just because a poor relationship with food and exercise is a very deep hole to climb out of, but because your body can suffer permanent damage. But, despite not wanting to hear about how you need to change what you're doing or maintain better control of your blood sugars, your endocrinologist is there for a reason. Whether your diabetes is genetic, or from poor nutrition and obesity, having a professional to guide you in the right direction and help you build healthier habits is good for both short and long-term health. You don't want to keep secrecy about your diabetes and how it's managed from anyone, especially yourself. Check your blood sugars or monitor them often. Listen to your body's signals or when it needs a rest, or when it needs nutrition. There's a reason we have these signals, and avoiding or ignoring them causes your system to be thrown off in so many ways. Trust me. I know it can be frustrating dealing with all aspects of diabetes on your own, and even more so when it feels as though you have friends and family members constantly breathing down your neck, reminding you to check your blood sugar, make sure to take insulin for what you're eating, and whatever else but it's important to appreciate the fact that you have that extra support trying to keep you safe and help micromanage your control. While it is unfortunate we have no other option but to deal with diabetes every second of every day, seeing things in a different light is key to better handling it and having a positive outlook. Don't look at diabetes as a hindrance on your health. As a matter of fact, consider a typical American's diet fast food, nutrient-void snacks, and instant TV dinners all packed with sodium, sugar, and processed ingredients. I would hope all, if not most, diabetics recognize that they should avoid these foods as much as possible. And because you have diabetes, it helps you stay that much healthier over the majority of other people. Again, listen to episodes 4 and 5 of this podcast to gain more insight on how you set up your nutrition for healthy and effective weight loss. Remember that we want to live a strong, long, and happy life. You're always going to be faced with situations that are uncomfortable to a degree, because it's slightly outside of your body's comfort zone, but there's a line between being comfortable with being uncomfortable, and struggling unnecessarily to reach a physique goal, only to take three steps back in the end. That's going to wrap up this episode of Diabetically Speaking, and I want to thank you for listening. If you found this episode useful or know someone else who would, please feel free to subscribe and share my podcast. You can also connect with me on Instagram at The Macro Diabetic, where I share health and nutrition tips as well as healthy recipes of all kinds. You can also email me with any questions you have, both of which are in the show notes, and I hope you'll join me again.